1: Welcome to High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends to look back at our teenage years with a lens of some iconic high school centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the party's at my place this evening. But first, school's still in session, and we have some homework to chat about. This was your assignment, and I would like to see the results. It's good to have the old intro back, and for those of you who are curious, no, we have not officially been approved for the fall schedule. It just felt like we were getting there, so I don't know. We'll see after this episode. The point is, we're still alive. We're still here. It's still somehow our senior year, and we are talking to the two most important people in the Cage Club Podcast Network, our podcast network, the co-creators, Mike Manzi, Joey Lewandowski. It's been a while for Joey, so happy to have him back on. We are talking a film they both enjoy. Spoiler alert. Voyage of the Rock Aliens. It's one I hadn't seen before, but before we talk about Voyage of the Rock Aliens, let's talk about your homework, which is to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. While you're there, give us a five-star review or a positive rating, and also tell a friend about this podcast, High School Slumber Party. You can also check out my other show, along with Mike Manzi, which is called Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar, which is a show about the films of Francis Ford Coppola. Let's see what else. Oh, just check out all the other old, 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 old High School Slumber Party episodes. The summer is over, but we're still going on. There are new ones as well. Don't worry. We are still producing episodes, much to, you know, the comments I get from people. When are the episodes coming out? When are the episodes coming out? They come out when I tell you they're out. When you see that little ding. If you subscribe, you wouldn't ask the question. Anyway, back to Professional Brian. Well, Professional Brian wants to just make podcasts, so please, please, please tell a friend about high school slumber party. Listen to old episodes and that's <coughs> that. I totally, totally forgot about that bell, but I guess that's a common thread, right? In September you forgot about the bell all summer and suddenly it's here in the fall, so I'm excited. We're still alive. I hope you did your homework, and I hope you watched this film, Voyage of the Rock Aliens. It's really easy to find. You can even find it on YouTube. So pack your favorite jammies, tell your mother you're sipping over Brian's, because we're about to get our party on. Let's leave you with, ugh, oh, the classic song from the soundtrack. Jermaine Jackson, Piazadora, When the Rain Begins to Fall. Class dismissed. <laughs> Decided to grace us with his presence. <laughs> yeah, Mike hasn't been here in a while. <laughs> Mike Mansi. No, I'm just joking. The Godfather, Joey Lundowski, Thank you so much for for stopping by. I you're one of the people on the committee that I have to impress to get on the schedule for the fall. So I'm happy. Have that I you...
2: really not been on this show since we did Fire Walk with Me? Wow, it's that's been crazy. a
1: year. It's great. No, that feels crazy.
2: Unless you missed something on our site, according to my guest appearances, the last time I was on this was Fire Walk With Me.
1: Wow. Well, welcome back. We'll have you on again soon, I'm sure. The thing is, you're a busy man. You have, like, what, 90 shows? I got too many shows. I was thinking <laughs> I do
2: at least one too fast a week, and then on average, one How to Win the Lottery every other week, and then one $19.99 the podcast every other week. But when we interview an author on how to win the lottery, then it's like every week. And then sometimes John and I do another bonus episode. It's too much. Honestly, it's too much of me. We've passed 2,500 episodes as a network. I'm on more than a thousand of those. If you're still not tired of my voice, I don't, I
1: thank you, I guess, but like, I don't know what is going on, my man. I mean, and then all your shows with the other person here, the superintendent, Mike Manzi, that accounts for a lot too. Absolutely, and apparently the most popular thing that here I have
2: ever done is Elvis. Like I had no idea why people care about Elvis (laughs) this much, but like overwhelmingly, the most popular show that either of us have done, any show in the network, really, is this Viva Pod Vegas show. So, Uh,
0: because you and I are the same, (laughs) the same. It's the
2: snowman
1: (laughs) in the house. Yeah, it's nuts. I mean, I'm very happy for your success.
2: I wasn't bragging by the way. That was more of a backhanded to the rest of the stuff we do that nobody cares about
0: that. This is just like, oh people actually listen to this. Okay, cool. Well the new fast film will, you know, turn the I other stuff so. around as it does. Fast season is approaching.
1: That fledgling show of yours, too fast too yeah. forever, needs the boost, you know, needs a little bit of NAS these days, right? So you'll get a just joking. You'll get you'll get a new movie. But this show, this show, this show really needs the boost because we could get cancelled. I'm not even sure. <laughs> uh everything's in flux but thank okay, you God. I, have a, I have a question i'm so sorry to interrupt i've
2: asked you this is now me as what's my role if mike's superintendent what am i
1: you're just the godfather you're you're like God. I'm just godfather. you're like by the, way, by the way by the way by the way that is not uncle francis's wine cellar godfather it's more of a fraternity godfather
2: i have asked you time and time again to use high school parlance i don't want you saying canceled it, it should
0: be expelled it should be expelled ah it should be expelled
1: well, this is why I'm getting canceled. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just in the parlance of our day, canceled has a different meaning in in a lot of other ways. Uh, you know, anyway.
1: Yeah, I'm getting canceled for the lack of Joey's appearances here. The, the The world is like we need more Lewandowski on. We need more Lewandowski representation in general. On the Cage Club Podcast Network, so I'm happy yeah, no to one ju-
0: invites me to be a guest anywhere anymore. He could still be, you know, like the dean or, you know, uh, the principal. We need we need some of that. As superintendent, we need to start filling jobs here at uh, Nick Cage High.
1: <laughs> oh, that's great. Nick Cage High. I love it. I haven't thought about that. Do we even do formal introductions? I don't know how this show works anywhere. Why don't you guys introduce yourself any way you want, but preferably in the classic high school slumber party... Mike Mansey,
2: RHS class of 1997. Go Maroons. Is that right?
0: That's right. That is right. Now do uh, me. Now do me. Okay. Um, Joey Lewandowski, school number something or other. Okay, close enough. Keep, uh, going. Keep going. Go, I want to say Spartans.
2: No. Brian, do <laughs> you remember my mascot? Do you remember anything about my intro?
0: It's been a year. Red Devils, right? Red Devils. Go Red Devils. Nice, nice. Very we'll, cool.
1: We'll reverse that. People, if this is your first episode, we have uh, Joey Landowski and Mike Manzi here, hosts of so many podcasts. Do you want to get into them all again? No, kidding. Uh, Today, (laughs) we are talking something off the superintendent's list, Voyage of the Rock Aliens from 1984. Mike, I've noticed a lot of your films from the year 1984, formative year in your life, perhaps.
0: Yeah. I mean, not just my life, but in the world of cinema. I mean, a lot of great horror films that year, a lot of great action films that year, a lot of great science fiction movies. I mean, just uh, just one of those great years, you know, Joey and John Brooks, I think I found your next podcast, mm. 1984. Also, um, 19, what was it, 1939 was is still one of the greatest years I in think, Hollywood.
2: I think on a recent episode you were on, you also said something about like 1997 too, maybe? possibly
0: it, yeah there's a couple of those years that just is like what happened <laughs> it's just amazing
2: i think there's also it just proves my point that every year is a good year for movies or any kind of art as long as you know where to look
0: there you go yeah
1: that's not what i heard on 1999 the podcast hey man
2: i still don't understand why i'm on 1999 podcast <laughs> i saw none of these movies in theaters i've said this to john on air i don't know why i'm here he's like because you offer different perspective and it's like what perspective is that he's like uh, you're the one who's supposed to like bring us down and like, you know, say that this movie isn't just nostalgia. I'm like, oh, but that's not my role. Like I'm not supposed to be the guy who says this sucks, but like that's apparently my role on that. Like I'm trying to be positive, but I'm over there to be like, no, this movie is not good. So it's a weird. it's a new thing
1: for me. Yeah, it's a little bit of miscasting. Well, you do tell it like it is in your opinion. You're not gonna sugarcoat anything. So I see where he would get that from, but you're also you also don't enjoy watching things you don't enjoy. And I know that seems like it would be true for everybody, but it's really true for you. Oh, it's really true. And I think that that honestly came from the
2: shows that Mike and I did where I'm like, I don't want to watch another Keanu Reeves high school movie. We (laughs) chose him as an actor because we love his movies. I did not know there were going to be 10 after
0: school specials in a row. (laughs) That's a slight exaggeration, but like not much, not much. Yeah, (laughs) it's rough. like in that, that is the slightest exaggeration in the history of exaggeration
2: i think i think the actual number might be seven or eight like there were so many in a row where i'm like this is the same movie but about drinking or about this or about that and then we get <laughs> flying and we're like ooh yeah flying and then there's like another four of the shitty things so i don't know
1: speaking of flying joey i gotta put you on the spot why did you quit hot dog club three years ago I didn't quit Hot Dog Club. I just muted it forever on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah, he still
0: gets the message.
1: But I'm still know. in.
2: I'm just not paying dues.
1: I, I, I don't know if you realize. like, It is very
0: active, Hot Dog no, Club. No, I have no idea. It's here yes. forever. <laughs> Somehow, Jordan, Brian, and myself are like super bonded over <laughs> hot dogs
1: now. Like, how often would you say Hot Dog Club mm.
0: updates itself? Every other day. At, I think,
1: at this that's point. so I mean, much. It's I don't know much. about every other day, but it's at least once a week. At least.
0: It feels like every other day someone is, like, just doing something there.
1: <laughs> I mean, look,
2: I'm very happy for you guys. I'm very happy <laughs> that's the case. I just don't need to be there. This is the hot
1: hot dog season, and maybe that's why. Fair lying. enough.
0: Bi- biggest controversy, guy at the baseball game using a hot dog for a beer straw and then taking a bite out of it after, and everyone's going nuts, and, and I called that man a hero, so... Uh, <laughs> If you're I'm not, in favor of that. I, I like
2: that video.
1: That was at a Yankee game, right? I think. Yeah. It was I think a, so. Sub, yeah. Subway series or something. It was something that
0: I was watching. No one was watching the Yankees, though. They were watching
1: that guy. Just if you're not familiar with Hot Dog Club, see the flying episode. See or listen, I should say. Listen to some other. <laughs> listen, yeah, that's a great plug. Listen to episode some other episodes. Episode 300.
0: Episode 300. You get the, the great. Oh, yeah. Uh,
1: Jordan's great essay. Episode 300. So check that out. I won't fill you in anymore because I know you're here for Voyage of the Rock Aliens. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, history, <laughs> history with this interesting film? Mike, since it was on your, your superintendent's list, why don't you go first?
0: So I only recently discovered this movie. I think it was in the pandemic, and it was right before Bill & Ted 3 came out, and this popped up on Amazon. I was just scrolling around looking for anything to watch, and... It looked amazing. Like just by the cover, I knew nothing about it. Um, Voyage of the Rock Aliens is right up my alley. I'm always on the lookout for more rock operas. And most of them scare the shit out of me. uh, But I force myself to watch them because I just find them so fascinating as an art form. And this was like, cool, one I've never heard of. And I sat down and watched this front to back, and I was just blown away. I have not been this sort of moved by a film in a long time. It was (laughs) just just what I needed in lockdown, you know? And the the music is amazing. Just a lot of it is just incredible, the production design. And then, like, a couple months later, I think it was on How Did This Get Made? And I was Mm -hmm. so happy to hear that it was on How Did This Get Made, that it was going to just get this huge recognition now and, and everyone in the world will be able to share in the in the wonderfulness of this movie
1: whoa, 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 whoa. another podcast covered this film what the hell are we recording for well <laughs> as
2: we learned from 99 forever on the apple podcast <laughs> reviews there can only be one podcast about any kind of one particular subset of movies so yeah you, we can't do this episode anymore there can only be one and it was how this got made
1: Ooh, ooh. yes and maybe we'll Maybe we'll get more listens than them. Who knows? But if we don't, that's fine. I'm glad to hang out with you guys and talk this film. Um, Joey, I I was kind of surprised. You were very eager to be on this episode. What's your history with this film?
2: It had been on my radar for a while. I don't think it was because of Mike. There's a chance that Mike said that I would like this movie because, like, there's a lot of people who tell me I'd love movies. I I would love movies. And then I'm just like, there's too many people. I just put it on a list and I just forget sometimes who said it. So it might have been Mike. I don't want to take it away from him if it was him. But it was on my list of movies to see. And then, like Mike mentioned, How does This Get Made covered it in January of this year. And as I was catching up on those episodes, there were some movies that I wanted to watch. And so I watched it two months ago for that. And I loved it. And then I listened to the episode. and I love that. And they loved it, too. And then when I saw Mike about a month ago recording Viva Pod Vegas and some other movie. Oh, it might have been the Keanu Super Pets episode. Uh, he's like, hey, I'm going to do Voyage of the Rocky Aliens with Brian soon. Do you want to be on that? Because I know you love that movie. I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I, I've seen it now twice this year, this summer. Uh, I love it. I feel like I, I didn't see it the first time. There's so much I didn't notice the first time that I, I just saw it. And I feel like I missed so much of it. So I don't know if I missed even more of it, but it's a short but passionate history for me in this movie.
1: Awesome. And I could totally see where you're coming from, Joey. I'll be honest with you guys. For two thirds of the movie, I was like, what is this trash? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I, like five minutes
2: in, I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah. For me... By the opening credits, I'm I'm good. For 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 me, I'm like, I
1: just don't get it. I was kind of falling asleep. I didn't find it funny. I didn't find the songs great.
2: Which is wild because this whole, like, the whole thing of the movie is it's making fun of the movies that you and Kyle did, like, a million of last summer. Like, these are all the 60s
1: beach movies. Exactly. But it took me, like, two-thirds of the way in to get that. You know, I would just thought they were just doing a bad job, to be honest with you. And it just, it just wasn't funny to me. That was one. Two, the switch with the bad guy turned good guy, sort of, you know, like the jock uh-huh. dude. That blew my mind. And that was like, <laughs> all right, I'm all in now. And I thought back to those earlier scenes. And then, you know, I was like, you know, I really enjoyed that movie. It was weird. It was a weird... Weird transformation, Nicole, my wife. I had it on while we were eating dinner and thought it was deplorable. Did not no. understand it, but that's fine. That's not the kind of movie she's into, you know. Yeah, she's waiting yeah. for *Hocus Pocus* too, and nothing else can compare. <laughs> you know, it's not. I mean, it's, it's not *Bridgerton*. It's not anything like that, and I get that. But <laughs> I mean, there's
0: no doubt that that it's overwhelming. There's a lot to unpack like Joey said you know you kind of his letterbox review is like you look away and you're definitely going to miss something yep. right that like <laughs> it's just you know stuffed to the gills with references and homages and jokes and you know it's like it's like grease on acid is what I would <laughs> sort of yeah. uh, sort of uh, refer to it like but i mean just from the start i i love this music like i i think this this soundtrack is amazing like it, it it nails sort of, like, all the genre that I'm into from this time period. So I'm surprised you didn't really dig the music, even, you know, right out of the gate or the premise. I think the premise is, you know, it's like Ziggy Stardust, right? It's just, like, rockers from space come to Earth and kind of get, like, sidetracked discovering new music and <laughs> that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, I, I just love, like, all it was going for.
1: Well, that's why jo- Joey, I guess my point where w- I said, I could see where you're coming from specifically is that like, I need to watch this movie again. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like I need to, now that I know, now that I'm in on the joke, I didn't feel in on the joke. I didn't even know it was a joke. You know, I knew nothing about this movie. Mm. I just put it on YouTube and I'm like, wow. Wow. Cocaine, hell of a drug. Well, I think 80s. that's that's something <laughs> that we talked
2: about recently on Too Fast, where we watched Hell or High Water, which is like an und- indisputably, I think, incredible movie. And yeah. Joe was like, "I think it's fine," and we're like, "What?" And he's like, "I, you know, we're watching all these great heist movies, and I don't think it's a good heist movie." I'm like, "Well, don't watch it. It's a heist movie. Like, I understand that we're watching it in the heist lap, but like, you kind of just have to watch it as a movie." And so, the reason I bring that up is because knowing it was picked for How Does It Get Made, sometimes I watch those movies under the pretense that it's going to be bad and i'm prejudging the movie when i go in to be like oh this is gonna be a shitty movie and sometimes it it upends that and i like i love a movie because i'm like oh this is actually great like fast five for instance They did it fast five really early on i'd never seen any of those that was my introduction to the franchise as i've said over and over again on too fast and i was like no this movie is incredible i don't know why they're doing this and then i listened to the episode they're like we love this movie and so i knew also from like going on Letterboxd and seeing that Mike gave it five stars and like Austin gave it five stars and like the people that I, I trust, like I knew that it was probably going to be something like special. And so I went in there expecting something weird and special and like maybe not like traditionally good. And I, and, you know, it, it worked for me. So I, I think it's, it's tough. I think when you're watching it's just a high school movie. Cause that's the other thing like it's not really a high school movie. like it is but it's it's not at all so like if you're watching it for like within the context the confines of your show it's like oh this is this is strange
0: <laughs> it's not necessarily like a joke either like in that sense that we should be necessarily laughing at it entirely like they didn't make a movie to you know for that reason i believe like this feels like it was made with so much love that like you know they're harkening back to those types of films and not that they're like bashing them or anything, but there's just like having fun with that genre and all. And so I feel like it's more of like a cheer along kind of feeling that I get while I'm watching it. And I'm not sitting there going like, oh, this is so bad. It's funny. Like, I'm actually, I actually think like it's good. Like, it, there's poor production value and it's cheap and it's all that kind of bad, but like, it's made with love. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that people, it's, it's not like one of those movies you discover you know, and are just like the room or anything, you know? No, no. Yeah, like I think there's a lot more merit to, to what's going on here uh, in that sense.
2: And I think all the validation you need for that is that our, our beloved Vinegar Syndrome remastered this. Like they released this, Uh, this year i think or maybe late last year or like early this year but like the blu-ray came out in the last 12 months and so i own that so like this is one of those ones where i don't have a sense like definitively but i don't think vinegar syndrome likes the room because the room seems too obvious like this is more of the kind of underground in a way Mm -hmm. lesser seen but should be championed when people like oh i love bad movies i love the room it's like well the room is just too obvious like there's much more you can be
1: watching or seeing that are like better than that even though that is you know for what it does, it's kind of wild. <laughs> no, and and again, I'm with you guys on this, but I also think that the Beach Party movies aren't bad either, that they are also like cheer along just like this. So I, I actually don't think that this is making fun of Beach Party movies. I think it's just like continuing... That same kind of tradition. It's not a style of comedy that's popular today at all. But what style of comedy is? Let's be honest. This is not a golden <laughs> era for comedy at all. I'm sorry, you know, yeah. f- these kind of comedy films. But that was my epiphany moment with Greece as well. The whole thing that the whole thing was just also sort of like a teen beach parody movie that. Yeah. It made me enjoy Greece too, so, uh, Greece as well, Joey. Not <laughs> Also
2: Greece. love Greece too. It uh, <laughs> was also great. Well, th-
0: this this movie tonight also sort of invokes a lot of like that film Back to the Beach with Annette and Frankie and it takes place like in the late 80s and it's what if they grew up and had a kid and like kind of fell out of touch with everything but then they go back to the beach and it becomes, you know, bonfires and sock hops and sleepover parties and surf championships and everything's back to like was in the 60s and stuff so there's kind of like I don't know it's been done more than once you know it's not as big of a musical as this one is by any means but there are lots of musical numbers in that and so riffing on that style seems to have been something in the 80s that you know, that we do now to movies in the 90s or so, right? Like, it's the part of that nostalgia era that these filmmakers grew up in, and they're looking back and trying to see what they could riff on. So, I find that pretty fun.
1: But everything now is done, not everything now, I want to be clear, but a lot of stuff now is done with such a almost a mockery of the past sometimes, right? Yes, there's a positive nostalgia, but when it's comedy, sometimes it can be negative too. And I don't feel like this movie is very positive to me. Like And I think yeah, that's like yeah. part of its charm, if you will. So, if you're not familiar with Voyage of the Rock Aliens, which I wouldn't be shocked if you are not familiar with Voyage of the Rock Aliens, here is the back of the VHS. Actually, ended up finding a copy online, so here goes. Bear with me, it's a long one. Is it really? Okay, okay. <laughs> it shouldn't be, but it is. A guitar-shaped spaceship streaks through the skies in search of the origins of rock and roll and lands in in the town of Spielberg, USA. Led by Apsid, the alien crew is just in time (laughs) to play at Heidi High School's dance on Saturday night. Frankie and his band of bullies, The Pack, are not too eager to share the stage, and a battle of the bands breaks out. It's galactical laughter and comic chaos as Dee Dee, Frankie's girlfriend, pursues a singing career with the alien rockers. Absid pursues a close encounter with Didi, chainsaw pursues a well-tuned tool, and the sheriff is in hot pursuit of the musical invaders. Beam yourself aboard for the funniest, most entertaining musical comedy ever launched.
2: Whew. All right. We go. <laughs> I like that you mentioned things like Spielberg and Absid and it's like without seeing how they're spelled that means like way less,
1: I yes. think. Yes. <laughs> Oh no, definitely. And again, this, like you said, this movie filled with a lot of Easter eggs, a lot of fun. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it. Let's talk production notes, cast, all that fun stuff. This was written written by a couple people, Edward Gold and James Gudadi. I don't know. Did you guys read about the production at all? Because it was originally uh, titled Attack of the Aliens and was conceived as a B-movie spoof it went through a couple different um versions like this is a movie where it was like they cast it and then they rewrote the script and then they you know put all the other things i think the directors have a lot of input on it as well but did you guys do you guys know anything else about this the making of this
0: i have no idea about any of what happened here i mean i i remember listening to the how did it get made episode but like yeah, that's dumped from my memory at the moment. So none of Good. that is uh coming coming through right now. I'm fascinated to find out.
2: Yeah, I remember a couple things. Like I remember the alien, like the the lake monster was supposed to bleed blood, but they're like, That's too gruesome, like this is supposed to be a fun movie. So instead when they cut it, it just like bleeds bubbles. And bleeds is probably the wrong verb there. Yeah. Like they made that lighthearted. And then there was the actual, like the one thing that I remember from the How to Get Made, but I also saw it on IMDb today was when the chainsaw guy was supposed to cut through the wall they wanted the actor to be there he's like that's no absolutely not like that seems too reckless and then they had the stunt double there and then the stunt double was like oh wait no the chainsaw has been lined up like they put the blade on backwards so like it was going to like probably severely injure the guy with the chainsaw So like no this is like they, they fixed that so like it felt like it was really wild west filmmaking in a way that like isn't really the fun kind of Wild West, where it just feels like, oh, these people don't really know what they're doing. Yeah, and,
1: and it definitely has a feel of that when you watch it. But in, again, in a positive way. The other things I had is that, so the director is listed as James Fargo, and he has an interesting story. He's like an assistant director on a lot of Clint Eastwood projects, but he, he directed a lot of TV, A-Team, uh, Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two and O, stuff like that, and a couple Chuck Norris films. But then... I'm curious if you guys had heard anything, because this guy, Bob Giraldi, is also credited in some places, and he's not credited in other places, so I'm wondering if they brought him in to do something. Mm, Yeah. He directed Michael Jackson's Beat It
0: music video, so... Well, that kind of makes sense. Like To me now, they had a director for... The acting and action and then they had a director for the musical numbers and he probably came in and choreographed or shot like all of that stuff.
2: And I guess that also maybe explains why Jermaine Jackson was in this movie. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Great call. And why Pia Zadora looks like Captain EO half the time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so the Jermaine Jackson thing, once this movie got off the ground, they really decided to push the music element of it. So they shot this music video Maybe this guy just shot the music video. I'm not sure, you know?
0: Like a proof of
1: concept? Sort of, like, just for the album. Oh, okay. I might be paraphrasing here. Please, if you made Voyage of the Rock Aliens, come on High School Slumber Party and correct me. But from what I glean, they felt so good about the music video, they're like, let's make this part of the movie. Originally, they were just going to put it, like, in the credits. Sort of like, oh, buy the CD. Okay. But then they invented that whole beginning part to make it, part of the film somehow even though it really doesn't make sense because why is pia Zidora there well she's oh. a different character altogether like yes. it just, it's
0: yeah it's yeah before. on our planet we still we have a Jermaine jackson too <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> i won't. will say though in terms of like when you're saying you know people who made this movie come on the podcast if you look on imdb you know how like everything is upvoted or downvoted like reddit or whatever the most helpful review is titled i was in this movie did you Ooh. either did either you see this review no no So posted in May of 2000, if anyone has questions about this movie, please let me know. I was in it. I played the part of NPQR, The Alien. I also co-wrote several songs for it. And yes, this movie is about as cheesy as you can get. It was supposed to be a spoof on 60s beach movies with some then modern twists to it. The bands featured in the movie are Rima and Jimmy the Mustangs. I was in Rima. Pia was a delight to work with, as was the whole crew and cast.
0: So it seems
2: like at least 22 years ago, they were willing to talk about it.
0: It's basically like Devo and the Stray Cats are the two bands in this movie. (laughs)
1: love it. Well, the invitation stands, random review person who played someone in the film. I appreciate that. And maybe we'll talk about it. Who knows? It's funny too, uh, I had no idea who Pia Zadora was a couple weeks ago, and suddenly, like two of the three movies in a row that I'm talking about here have Pia Zadora in them. And <laughs> Hairspray, right? Hairspray, yeah. So I mm-hmm. always, I always love when
2: that happens. I think she's like maybe best known for, unfortunately, like she came out with this movie Butterfly, which I have not seen. But she like was uh, applauded for her thing, and then also won the Golden Razzie for like worst performance. So, like this was like this thing that people either loved or hated, kind of an equal measure. And I, I think that kind of tanked her career in a way before it even started.
1: Well, Kate was saying, and and Kate Hudson of Kate Hudson fame, not the real Kate <laughs> at I Hudson think. Kate on Twitter at mm-hmm. Hudson the Kate on Twitter. Kate Hudson. <laughs> yeah, my real Kate Hudson. The of high school slumber of Twilight Forever of Twilight Forever. Yes, she was saying that it's like it was heavily implied that her boyfriend at the time, or her husband at the time, like, bribed the Golden Globe voters to give her the Golden Globe for the film you're talking about. One of those. So that's why she was sort of blacklisted from, like, major roles. Like, And I did find some evidence to this online, so I'm very curious. But I, hey, I've seen her in two movies, I loved her in both of them, so I don't know. (laughs) pia you're fine with me
0: yeah she's amazing so much energy in this movie just like constantly smiling and running across the screen smiling and just like running around smiling and jumping around all the time (laughs) it's hilarious i love it
2: and i know that we'll get to it at the end but it's also you know let's just say that she was 30 when they made this so like you know (laughs) high school yeah she was born in 1954 so oh well maybe Um,
0: she's got a short stature you know she's like a little shorty so that helps i guess
2: Well, I was thinking about, because, you know, I know that we'll answer it at the end. Like, everybody seems way too old for high school. But, again, because they're all kind of the same age and also half the cast is aliens, like, it doesn't really matter. And, like, there's this internal, like, that's also, like, the the most believable part of this entire world, right? Like, that's not what you're going to get hung up on if you have, like, logic issues with this movie.
1: (laughs) No, exactly. Maybe I'm overthinking it now, but the Beach Party movies, all those kids looked older. Even Greece, they all look older right like so this is not uncommon in this particular genre that we're talking about for people to sort of look out of place as high schoolers.
0: Yeah, it might have been part of the joke quote unquote right is like let's cast like a 30 year old as the lead and you know <laughs> see if anyone notices or do that grease thing. I don't know how old Craig Sheffer was but like he looks a lot older than 19 in this movie as Frankie. <laughs> Craig Sheffer
2: was 24 when they made okay. this movie, so not okay. not you know still old, but not nearly as old as Piazzadora, you know, for playing a high schooler, right? Not not the 30s school yes. by any stretch of the imagination, but when you're supposed to be like, I don't know, 17 or 18, like you know.
1: No, yeah, exactly. And I should have like gleaned the beach party thing from the names. Frankie Avalon mm-hmm. is the star of all those films. This guy's named Frankie. I'm sure that was like uh, paying homage to that character too. Um, So yeah, I mean, again, shame on me, but I don't, you know, I don't like to do research before I watch the film because I just want to watch with naked eyes, but sometimes, Mm -hmm. sometimes I should, I don't
2: know. I don't think there's a ton about this. Like, and I think this is the ideal kind of experience that you should go into as blind as you can.
0: Yeah, part of why I even suggested this movie, Brian, was because I had a feeling it was going to kind of like, blow your mind in a way <laughs> like, you know, like be just be one of those things like you've never seen before in a high school movie you know even greece like it gets crazy beauty school dropout and all that kind of stuff like it there's there's dream sequences and things but this is like to the you know nth degree this is pushing it as far as possible and still managing to like snap back to some kind of base reality you know, movie wise and be like, Oh yeah. Like it makes sense in the, in the world that it exists in. Like that's, that's, I guess what I come away from it from. Like sometimes you watch movies that are so bad, they're good uh, because like, and they're bad and you like them because they're bad because like, they don't make sense in the context of their world. It's like, why is that happening? That makes no sense. But like when, when something that doesn't make sense happens in this movie, it's perfectly logical. It's like, of course, like, why would, why wouldn't it? (laughs)
2: All you need to know is like the opening scene where it's like okay they all live in a world where there's a lake filled with acidic water that a sea creature lives in that is enormous and people are running with like shackles and like candy bars taped to them like everything is heightened in a way that doesn't really make sense but again like saying that there's all like an internal consistency logic whatever. That the world doesn't make sense to us, but it makes sense to them. Like, they're all playing it straight because they've all accepted this is what normal is.
0: They're playing it extremely straight. That's right. And, like, in a lot of those other movies that, like, are hailed for being so bad they're good, there's a lot of winking at the camera. And, like, yes, this movie winks at us, but everybody is saying all this stuff with such honesty and you know, they believe it. And so that is what sells it so much for me.
1: Two people quickly uh, wanted to mention the cast. You already mentioned Craig Sheffer. Do you guys know who this is or do you know his films?
0: Craig Sheffer is just like, he's been in some horror stuff that I've seen, I think.
1: So I knew him. uh, He was a a pretty frequent regular on the old WB slash CW show, One Tree Hill. So uh, maybe fans know him from that, but yeah, he's been in a ton of stuff and we already mentioned Jermaine Jackson. He's getting just in the music video portion. Ruth Gordon plays the sheriff, that old lady. Oh, well, she's Maude in Harold and Maude, which is, like, one of the best oh, movies yeah. of all time.
0: Oh, uh, Okay. And she's like, in Rosemary's Baby. She's the yes, upstairs neighbor of the lady. Satanist. Oh,
2: she's incredible. She's amazing.
1: I'm like, yeah. where the hell do I know this lady from? Again, I could have just looked it up, but I was I wanted to ask you guys. So I'm like, I know it. It's on the tip of my tongue. But I was thinking, again, I forgot about Rosemary's Baby. baby. Definitely thinking of Harold and Maude.
0: She won the Academy Award for playing, like, a photojournalist. I can't remember exactly what for, but I think she actually played a man. In that in that role, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: A while ago. Yeah.
1: So, so that's pretty cool to see her here. Well, she no, she won the Oscar
2: for Rosemary's Baby, but she was nominated for four other Oscars for A Double Life, which I'm thinking I'm guessing is what Mike's talking about. Also, Adam's Rib, Pat and Mike, and Inside Daisy Clover. Well, like A Double Life came out in 1948, and this is in 1984. Like, obviously, she's an older woman in this, and she's like playing this sort of like crazy sheriff of the town but like she was doing stuff like 40 years before this and like getting you know Oscar recognition so she's been around and put in the work and like getting you know rewarded for it.
1: I didn't realize she won for Rosemary's Baby that's crazy well deserved I'm not saying that
0: yeah amazing movie and and Brian you know who produced Rosemary's Baby.
1: Who is he here with us tonight? Is he here with us
0: tonight? Come on how could you forget? It's your your best friend It's, it's your man about town it's Mr. Hollywood come on the, ki-
1: Evans. the kid stays on the podcast apparently, even though it's a different podcast. Uh, yeah, so Bob Evans production. Um, and then uh Peter Cullen, famous voice actor, right? He plays the robot in this, but he is again famous voice actor, what would he? Yeah, he's Optimus Prime. Oh, right? Optimus
0: Prime. Yeah.
1: I just know him from a ton of stuff as a kid as well.
0: Yeah, I like the droid in this. You know, I I feel like that was a big sort of not to Star Wars in a way, the droid, and then him turning into like the fire hydrant. Lots of fun gags with the fire hydrant.
2: Well, you know, as Rocky Four got re edited to remove the robot, I'm glad <laughs> that some 80s movies still maintain the robot in them.
1: Absolutely. That's a travesty. We need rights for Paulie's robot. That needs to be restored. There needs to be a third cut of Rocky Four.
2: Yeah, part of me was saying, like, oh, you're going to cover that one day on Uncle Francis, but, like, that's not what that is. But maybe in a spinoff, like, Uncle Sly's <laughs> cigar corner or something? I don't know. Yeah, cousins, Cousin Sly's cigar corner. <laughs> Meat Shack or something? But, yeah, like, I think the Rocky IV, the new one's probably better, but, like, it's not... I, I don't like it as much.
1: It's probably a better movie, but it's, it's you know, it's not the one that we grew up on. I don't think it, that one needed to be re-edited. I know I... Can have criticized Rocky four in the past, but don't make it something it's not. But regardless, not this podcast, not any podcast we have on this network, so, yet. Fourth time's a charm. One day. <laughs> One day. When you finish all the third films, Mike.
0: <laughs> They're still making them. Still making them yeah.
1: <laughs> Mike,
2: I think that you, I think you would, hmm. Mm? I wonder if you would watch all the threes first, or if Brian would cover all the high school movies first, even keeping in oh. mind you're doing one a month, and he's doing one or two a week. I still think yeah. you might finish first.
0: I think I would, too. I think I would, yeah. Like
2: both numbers are astronomically high, given like how much work it would be, but I still cool. think that there are probably... More than four times as many high school movies as there are third films. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The way I'm looking at it is, I feel like most of the part threes that are going to be made have been made, but they're never going to stop making high school movies like new ones ever. But, you know, not every franchise is going to get to the third one. Mm-hmm. A lot of them break down after one or two movies. So,
1: yeah. And that's kind so now, of, I don't want to say the problem with this show, but with the proliferation of not just streaming service films, but. Streaming services buying independent films that are often teen films. It doesn't feel like it's stopping anytime soon. I'll just put it Well, that the good way. news is that you're about to get expelled anyway, so you don't have to worry about it.
0: Oh, no. You
1: might get expelled. You might get expelled. What if I do this project just like and not put it out there right like what if i'm just recording for myself and i just that would be back? the saddest <laughs> thing in the world i mean
0: like like the final season of bajillion dollar properties where they shot yeah, it but never released finished. though it, it came out oh, it, it came out it eventually yeah, yeah, yeah. was oh okay oh thank goodness i guess i haven't seen it yet
1: i thought you were gonna take a shot at yourself and you were gonna say you mean the final season of third time's a charm
0: no <laughs> i was oh, like that whoa it hasn't been recorded, no. There is still one lost episode. I think I think the naked gun thirty three and the third episodes officially lost to the to the to one mine. lost yeah. episode?
1: How about Austin Powers? You have two lost
0: episodes. Oh two lost episodes.
2: <laughs> well that one's that one, that one's not lost. That's just uh, you know, that's it's they know exactly where that is. It's just you know irradiated. <laughs> yeah. That one, yeah. <laughs> It's locked in the vault. It's at the bottom of the lake and it dissolved from the acid. It doesn't work anymore anyway.
0: I'm a little upset about Naked Gun because when are you ever going to talk about O.J.? <laughs> <laughs> That's all it was an excuse for. <laughs>
1: Let's talk Voyage of the Rock Aliens, though. I mean, a short, short film, so we can talk really about anything in the movie eventually i want to build to my favorite moment well
2: brian do you have a favorite song i don't know if that's your favorite yeah. moment but do you
1: have a favorite song in this movie my favorite song is my favorite moment so we'll get there oh no I'm, I'm asking you now um i didn't write the song names down but once i once again i tell you the turn from the jock asshole nature of the beast yeah nature of the beast that's what it's called
0: it's the nature of the yeah,
1: beast it's incredible it's absolutely
0: incredible Didi, i can live without all the rest of it but i can't live without you
3: I've always been the big shot, pushing everybody else around. I think I learned my lesson now, it's me who's falling down. My heart is heading from the jealous state I'm in. Won't you give me a chance to start all over again? Cause that's the nature of the beast, keeping up the male persona. That's the nature of the beast give up my status quo now the nature of the beast wants to give love and affection oh the nature of the beast doesn't want to end up alone
1: i mean look if you want to start there we can i mean this movie is just kind of building with the cliche of oh this visitor from out of town again, the 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 aliens and and the, and Piazzadora's character, and they're falling in love, and it seems great. And she's going to let well, him sing, it... and he's not going to let mm-hmm. her sing. What?
0: Yeah, I mean, well, the aliens are are looking for signs of intelligent life because they're studying music from other worlds. That right? seems and innocent so I... enough, though, right? It doesn't seem evil. Yeah, and and then it definitely turns into just like Romeo and Juliet, or like the jocks versus the snobs or slobs, snobs versus slobs. Like where's Larson? Uh, <laughs> and it's a it's a great it's a great sort of you know. Premise to hang your movie on, you know. You can just once you know that's what you're going to do. You can do what they do in this movie, which is just fill it with gags and have a lot of fun, and and somehow write incredible music.
1: But at the same time, that's why I kind of was falling a little out of it because how many times do you think I've seen this movie? You know, a, a version of this mm. film. And as much as I like them, I was watching more for the music and the weirdness, and I wasn't into the plot until we see the jock dude essentially explain what toxic masculinity is and how it's guided his life and how he's a changed person and there's a, <laughs> what, a puma in the background like yep mind blown i'm like holy shit i've been sleeping on this movie the entire time and boom just like that i was in oh that was the moment yeah that was the moment wow. for me it took that long i love it and then it's like i i had a flashback of the of the rest of the film I'm like fuck It it wasn't the
2: song in the bathroom where the jocks picture is on the back of every stall, like on the inside, as like girls are sitting down to do their business, they're all looking at a picture of this dude in the bathroom. Like that wasn't enough
1: to be like, but I, I liked it. it. I was interested in the music. I didn't care about the plot at all. They make that turn. I was like, Oh, he, because he became a deeper character then.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, the movie almost sort of plays on your stereotypes or expectations or or, or all that, right? Because, like, Frankie isn't really you know like some guy just breezed into town and tried to steal his girl and he has the hottest band with the pack and here come these aliens with their new type of new wave music or whatever uh he's super threatened he's 15 he's going through puberty i think dd Dee Dee even says something to that effect that like he's got bodies going through changes and and yeah the the spin is exactly that moment you know where it turns out like frankie is just a very sensitive human being and and more in touch with his emotions than you would imagine and then he could look back on the rest of the movie and be like yeah he wasn't really like that much of an asshole he was just angry and upset and jealous as any teenage boy in, in a lot of these movies are it's just we never see johnny from cobra kai admit any of this stuff to him even in the new show right it took like three seasons for johnny to to have his nature of the beast moment or something (laughs)
1: oh i love that comp though cobra kai johnny all right joey you asked the question what is what are your favorite songs
2: well i mean i i nature of the beast is an all-timer but i do think that the end the song over the closing credits is so good and like it looks like they're shot at like a uh a shopping mall, like, one of those kiosks that, like, hey, film a music <laughs> yeah. video here. Like, it's so clearly green screen in a way that they don't care, and it's just, it's incredible. Like, that is a wonderful end to this movie. I do think that every single song in this movie is great. And when the rain
0: begins to fall. That's so good, right? Oh, it's awesome. I Love that. How about Let's you?
2: Dance Tonight is great.
0: Yeah, I love the Let's Dance medley, like, at the Battle of the Bands, where... It keeps going back and forth between, like, the Rockabilly and, like, the Devo sound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's a lot of fun. And that's cool, too, because it's just like, you know,
1: this is supposed to be the future. I mean, it might be the now, but it's the future when it was made, right? Because they talk about the 21st century, but we're in that today. I love what they believe that the sounds are going to be of the time. And you're right, it's, it's, it's Rockabilly and it's New Wave, which are popular then, and they're kind of... I wouldn't say people are like going to war over those two genres in 1984, but they are two interesting genres that they juxtapose here. And I, I think that's really cool.
0: There's touches of a lot of other things, too, that sort of creep in, like hair metal is is sort of there, and like ska music, you know, as far as style, and, and a lot of checkers going on in this movie as far as clothing and things and pastels. So it's, yeah, it's like a whole mishmash of all of the styles going on at the time, uh, I felt, too. And even some from before, you know, like just the the whole concept, I think, of the band from space. I just can't help but think of Bowie. I don't know if it goes back further than that, but, you know, Guar, another band from space, that kind of thing.
2: And, like, the songs they're singing in space or the songs that they're, like, watching in space, I guess not singing, but they're watching, like, when the rain begins to fall is great. Like, all these songs and, like, you know, they're trying to find the origin, like the pure music or whatever. And they, they say, you know, we found three possible planets and one more to be identified. And we look at the three and like one is too boring and one is too weird. And then we see the whole Jermaine Jackson, well, Pia Zadora. And then none of those turn out to be the one that they go to Earth and it just says dot, dot, dot. Why not? Like, who cares? Like, we got, we don't have a movie. Otherwise, so we might as well go to Earth. And it's just it's a wonderful way to get into things.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, I love their spaceship. That it's a guitar. I don't know if you guys ever saw like the Daft Punk animated videos they did, but like that they I think they took the spaceship guitar from this because uh, like they have that in in that as well. Such great design work and like the inside of their ship when they're busting them out of like hyper sleep and they put them through like the little machines and then when they when the one guy his like inhibitor fails and they have to put his body back together and oh dudes so like the 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 phone booth gag like Mm -hmm. i think it predates bill and ted by a year or so even though bill and ted i think was shot the same year so that's kind of cool that there's like the symmetry there
2: this predates bill and ted by i think by like four years like this is 84 i think think that's like 88 yeah i think that's much later it
0: might be okay yeah yeah so so it got the jump on bill and ted with the phone booth gag even i mean that's obviously probably a doctor who thing too like an americanized doctor who thing uh with the police box but still
1: yeah that's a really good call and i can see why this would be paired with bill and ted on like an amazon like things you should watch after i don't know what the hell that list is called um well, what,
2: I th- what i think is also kind of you know I, I, maybe evident is the right word about this movie is that they clearly have like a really good printer like an actual like computer printer because there's so much of this movie that's like printing out flat like high-res <laughs> versions of flat yeah. people yes. like Mike, when you were saying that, you know, they're they're bringing them back from, like, cryosleep, they're, like, putting them through his tube, and, like, there's one where, like, it doesn't come out right, or, like – or when Absid gets – he blows up because he gets too worked up at Piazzadora's love, that they have to, like, rebuild him, and they print him out first – but then like, that comes back at the end when the two dudes get rolled, you know, rolled over by the steamroller and they're yeah. flat, too. So like, they just have this like, they're like how we, we, we need to use this as much as we can. How else can we take advantage of this? Oh, let's just have two people get run over by a steamroller. So I just love that they're like, what do we have access to? How can we do something weird with it? OK, let's try that.
0: Yeah, they have also a great use of a fog machine, too. Like, it's always foggy inside. And then Mm -hmm. during a little bit of heaven, when she's up in the ship singing, Now I've got my little bit of heaven in you. And they're just basically in space twirling hand in hand with a fog machine blowing at them. It just couldn't get any better. Speaking of
2: being in a spaceship, did either of you get your (laughs) emolectomy? No, No, not yet.
0: Not yet. I still have emotions, I guess. What do you intend to do during your lifetime? Well, I was thinking about becoming a nun or a bomber pilot, or maybe even
3: going to politics.
0: You'll like our planet. Of course, you'll have to get an emolectomy. A what? An emolectomy. It's just a minor operation to take away emotion. Everyone on the planet has one. It greatly simplifies existence especially around
1: income tax time. Don't worry. On our planet, we have sex almost every night. Almost Monday, almost Tuesday. Maybe
3: I don't have to have one if we're going just to visit.
2: Where they apparently like drill a diamond or something into your forehead, but it removes all of your emotions, even though it doesn't seem like it works because like Absid falls in love. He needs to go in for a tune-up, but like they they go to outer space like when they're in outer space they just are free of emotions they never explain like
1: why they do that do they
0: no uh, what do they no it reminded me of the bim mark from the apple a little bit where everyone's got the bim mark on their forehead but i think he said on their planet there's no emotions like there's no love and there's no hate there's just music and when he saw her it short-circuited and he has to get a new one when they go back and and she'll get one as well and that's the deal breaker she's like there's no love there's no hate i don't think i could live in a world like that
1: i assume that it was just for efficiency reasons right like love gets in the way Sure. Their... They're
0: like Vulcans. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And by the way, so this whole angle about her, you know, falling in love with A- have we explained why his name is this? absid it's
0: what No, we have not explained <laughs> it. Because it's tedious. So if you would like to <laughs> Oh it's
1: A B C D, right? And they're all like certain letters.
0: Yeah, so there's A B C D E F G H I J K L.
1: No, it's M, E F G
2: H I, I and then J oh, K okay. L M. N O P Q R and then Stuvich.
0: Stuvich. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so they each just split up the alphabet and that's their names.
2: But like what's what's great is that the the female mechanic, like the auto body high school student, who also looks like she's thirty, she probably is like thirty, just thinks it's the most normal thing in the world and she like announces like she pronounces each of their names because it's like printed on their uniform. Yeah. And she goes, Stuvich? she goes, Yeah, close enough. It's like, well, no, it's not close enough. Like, it's <laughs> like there's no way that like that could possibly be your like, it's 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 the wildest. But again, in this world, that's normal.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. So I just quickly wanted to touch on the fact that like when she sort of rejects him for this, this is a huge homage to beach party films. Like often, uh, Frankie Avalon and Annette Annette's character, I forget her name, their love would be tested by an outsider, sometimes played by Frankie Avalon in like costume, sometimes it was just like a muscle guy, so you know, it was just always like someone different, right? She'd fall in love with him, or sometimes he'd fall in love with her, and at the end of the day, It just couldn't work out for one reason or another, and they went back to each other, right? And uh, they must have studied these Beach Party movies for this scene. Like, the way... How can I put it? It's like tying up the ending so simply. Like, oh, that's why she's not going to go to space and leave her friends forever, right? Because there's no emotion there. And it made sense, but her going back to him is just exactly like 99% of those movies which essentially are all the same thing I love them but they're all the same thing.
0: (laughs) well that's what I love about those movies is that you know she was never gonna leave Frankie it was just sort of like this sidetrack of interest like they were having you know it just seemed like they were having problems because like the band was just getting hot and they were auditioning a lot and maybe he was sort of not paying enough attention to her so in sweet she just like goes and tries to find some attention from this new guy but she was never i don't feel like she was ever gonna stay with this alien you know i think she was just using him to make frankie realize you know what he was missing sometimes and just to pay a little more attention or something however after having said that like it is good writing like you know like it just feels like so nice and neat and and um like, it's a good reason, you know, it's, it's, he's an alien, there's this procedure when we get back, like, it's almost like um, Splash, right? Like, you can't breathe underwater. So like, you can't come with me. And it's like, well, okay, that kind of situation or, or whatever, like, you, you know, you can't breathe on my home world without getting an operation. It's like, well, I don't want an operation. So I'm going to stay on Earth. <laughs>
2: And I think what also works really nicely about it here is that like the movie knows and you know as watching it, like they're not gonna get together. Like there's no way that this is how it ends. And the movie's like, you know they're gonna get back together. And so they only have to make it believable enough that like you're like, oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. And like it does, right. and that's it, right? It's like there's enough of a barrier and and you know, Frankie overcomes enough of his like, you know, toxic masculinity or whatever for them to be like, Yeah, okay, we we'll give it another shot. And, like they seem they both seem so happy that they're back together. And he's like, All right, we're gonna go Frankie and no, Dee Dee and Frankie. Like, it's just like all she wanted right. was to sing with him, and he, he gives her that. So, like, it's a, yeah, okay, happy ending.
1: That's, again, something from the, the beach party films that, like, uh, Frankie Avalon's character would, like, Get obsessed with a girl and act like an asshole, and then at the end of the day, he would realize, you know, the error of his ways, and they'd get back together. But it would happen again in the next movie, right?
0: Like it's so rote, but like tried and true that it's even um, one of the plots of Clerks. You know, the idea that that Dante has like this amazing girlfriend, but like he can't help but fall, you know fall <laughs> for the girl that was getting engaged and go back to her, and then that just caused all kinds of fucking problems. So.
1: <laughs> and then Grease again. Why? I'd love grease now it does the opposite thing instead of the guy getting straight laced it has the girl turn badass right r.i.p olivia newton yeah. john and that's why you know i love grease now because she doesn't sell out it's just supposed to play on that trope so i think what i'm most disappointed by is that this didn't revive that style but in a rock opera way right like i wish there was more <laughs> of these
2: well there are this... we we'll, we'll get to them in our in our blockbuster oh. in the
1: sky.
0: Don't oh. you worry about it. Okay. I, okay. I think I think part of that is they're just so it's just so hard to do this. Like it's so hard in movies like in action movies to use the action to actually advance the story that a lot of action movies just feel boring because it's just punching for no reason really. And it's like a lot of that I feel like, you know, ask Joey and I about what we're going through with Elvis right now. Okay. Like I would die for songs to make this much sense in an Elvis movie. Okay. Like it you know, (laughs) I feel like this is what we're waiting for is is for big production numbers. But instead in those movies, like a song will come on the radio and Elvis just and sings along to the radio Mm -hmm. or some shit like Mm -hmm. that you know so like it is so hard to write these and and the ones that are made mostly like I said very early in the show I tend to find to be very unnerving and very scary and and sort of like experimental monsters to some degree now that's not to say they're bad or anything it's just like i want to find ones that are great and fun that i like to rewatch. and so far it's just like this and phantom of the paradise right and like that's kind of it right now for me
2: well i think like what makes movies like this special is that i don't want to say that it all goes right but like there, it's so easy for things like this to go so wrong and just make it unpleasant and like the fact that they're having fun i think makes this a fun movie to watch
0: yeah like it's almost infectious or contagious to that like you can sense like how all in everybody is that you're like yeah i'm in too i want to be in I like it. I mean,
1: you guys would know more than me, but, like, we've been talking about, like, uh, your Elvis show and stuff, and I feel like the a lot of the Elvis movies have the bones of Beach Party movies as well, which is kind of interesting um, to think about. But, you know, you you get enough love and fans on that show. Send some Elvis people my oh, way.
0: H- how many times was Frankie going after his own sister in those Beach Blanket movies? And maybe there were, like, a couple of the Elvis films we've so far. <laughs> Oh, man. So uh, another thing
1: I wanted to just quickly ask you guys about, what do you think of this side plot with that shop girl, if you will, and this chainsaw killer that she sort of ends up falling in love with? Do you recognize love? him? Because he's been in a ton of movies. I didn't recognize him.
0: Oh, yeah. Michael Berryman. Hills Have yeah. Eyes. Weird, weird Science, Brian. Oh,
1: yeah, duh. Of of the Road yeah. Warrior.
0: Cuckoo's Nest. Like, yeah, huge career in horror like
2: he has made his living because of the fact that he looks unusual but is also like a really good compelling actor and like seems in this movie like genuinely kind like i like that he plays against type here that he's he literally chainsaws his way out of a mental institution like this like the the spielberg state asylum for the mentally unwell or whatever and you're like oh no we're supposed to be terrified of him but then he finds love and like he's a good dude he's a good dude like it's it's wonderful
1: yeah thanks for mentioning that weird science thing of course Of course I know this guy. I didn't realize that was him. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. I like this whole um, thing where one of the aliens is, I guess he's looking for a hospital, but he accidentally like finds a mental institution. And right at the time where chainsaw and his buddy are, are breaking out. And it, it adds just another genre to the entire movie. It's like, oh, look, now we have sort of like a slasher thing going on here in the mix as well. So, you know, we can get a bit of our horror fun and poke fun at that as as well. And I think people at the time might have recognized Michael Berryman from Hills Have Eyes and some other things along the way. I don't think Weird Science was out yet, but definitely Cuckoo's Nest and things. And, uh, yeah, I like the idea that, like... There's almost like a cartoonish vibe going on with this whole thing when Bugs Bunny would sort of stop the guy chasing him and show him how to like correctly load the shotgun and then <laughs> hand it back to him and be like, okay, now let's one, two, three, let's keep racing. Like that sort of situation where she's fixing the chainsaw for him. I didn't expect them to fall like four <laughs>
1: <laughs> I forgot to mention this, but the Rockabilly band is known as Jimmy and the Mustangs, and Joey, if you didn't do your homework, I'm gonna do some homework for you. But I'm sure you did. This band is also featured on one of your favorite film soundtracks.
2: Is it Rad? It
1: is. It is Rad. They are on the Rad soundtrack.
2: This movie has Rad vibes at times. Like this movie made me want, like in in the best way. Like sometimes I'm watching a movie and I'm like, oh, why am I not watching X, Y, or Z? Like it's it, it's doing a thing that this other movie does better. But this movie just reminded me of like eight other movies that I also love, and I'm like, oh, I want to watch those too. And one of those was Rad. So very cool nice
0: yeah i feel i feel like send me an angel could be in this movie yeah yes that's i think (laughs) i think it was
2: the high school dance where i'm just like oh yeah no they're they're about to like ride in here on their bmx bikes and like send send me send me an angel absolutely
1: it it was actually a cotillion did you guys have a cotillion at your school i don't think so
0: no how how many how many is that what's what's
1: no it's just it's just called a cotillion a cotillion is just like a fancier way to say dance we actually Oh, oh, oh! The winter. Cat- I thought it,
0: I thought it was like a certain number of years. That oh no, no.
1: We actually would have the winter cotillion every year at my high school, and that was the only dance open to all four grades. So it was a really big deal. I wonder if they still do it. I'm not sure, but I was happy to get a cotillion shout out here because you rarely hear that word. Is it like a formal? Is that like a southern thing? I think originally,
2: right? I don't know where this movie takes place. I know that the pack drives a car that has an Iowa
1: license plate.
0: Yeah, there's a beach nearby. So it's <laughs> be, but, like an ocean. It takes place right?
1: in, in Spielberg next to yeah Lake Erie, with two E's. Okay, so yeah, so Midwest. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I, Lake Beach. That's what I assume. Somewhere in the Midwest. So yeah, cotillions are sort of European, French sort of like that's the origins, but it just fancy origins. Like it's supposed to be fancier, you know, like a debutante bowl. Um, even though my high school one was not like that, it was just...
0: And you, and you said it's it's every grade? It's all grades? At my so particular
1: that... high school, that was the dance That's open the... to all four grades that they actually okay. held at the high school.
0: So, okay. So... okay, kind of like Sadie Hawkins is the rule, like the woman asks the man. That's like that, right? Is that what that yeah, is? Yeah, it, was,
1: it wasn't that. It wasn't the Sadie Hawkins. No, I'm saying, though, that,
0: but there's like a rule to it. It's not just a fancy name. There's like a...
1: I believe there's... so, but again, for us, it was just... Like, most of the proms, at least in New Jersey, they hold it like, a ballroom, like, at some hotel. Like, the cotillion was in the high school. The dance floor was the gym floor. The tables were, like, in the cafeteria, right? And in the dance floor there. And all four grades went. By the time you were seniors, you didn't want to, like, have a prom with freshmen. So less seniors went than everyone else. But I think I went to my cotillion all four years. And It was fun. That sounds more like a middle school
2: dance than a high school dance. They like were just like, this is going to be low rent. Like, you can have, you can hang out, but like, this is, we're not going to put a lot of money into it. No, <laughs> no, a
1: lot of money was put into
2: it. Really? The, the okay.
1: Dresses were like very, again, for the time, like, right?
2: Oh, no, I'm saying the school's not putting money in. I'm not saying that the kids aren't. They
1: weren't renting, um, right, like a room, but I think it was a huge fundraiser because the tickets were really expensive, right? And they did a good job of like decorating it. But again, there wasn't. I think at that capacity you're not going to it's gonna be really expensive to like rent a ballroom or whatever. Um, so yes, it was a little bit low rent, but it was a pretty fun experience, you know, to go to formal dances a little bit younger and not be so jaded about the high school experience, right? Again, by the time we were seniors we were. But yeah, just I just hearkened back to some cotillion memories.
0: Very nice. It's cool that they keep it so close to like this it's all school centric. Like, that's cool. Like you say, some dances are rented out.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's why I have nostalgia for it, because how many times we see that the prom takes place at the high school in the movies. So that's what I think of kind of when I think of that sort of uh, experience. Nice. Woo! Anything else in the film you want to mention? I mean, so, so much great stuff, so much stuff you liked, but I feel like we did a nice oh. little overview.
0: Um... Yeah, just so much. I mean, I wish I could remember all the songs. I don't think all the songs are on Spotify, but there is a big chunk of them uh, for the soundtrack that are up there, and I've just been listening to them a lot. Uh, And I've been pumping this music when I'm watching the movie. Oh, it's just so good. I'm I'm trying to think real quick.
2: Well, I think while you think, like, what's good about these songs, which is, like, normal for a musical, but Mike brought up the Elvis movies earlier, and those songs, like we found out in the most recent episode we did, that Elvis and the Colonel would show up with like 300 demos to a movie and be like, hey, pick six songs. We'll just do those six songs. (laughs) And it didn't matter. Like if a song got cut from a movie, they're like, all right, we'll put in the next one. It doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter because the song has nothing to do with the movie. This it like doesn't really have to do with the movie, but like at least they like build it into the world, right? Like it's not Elvis in a car singing a song to the radio. It's like the nature of the beast and he's walking through a school with a puma behind him that goes into the locker, right? Like it's, it doesn't really, I mean, it taps into his like raw emotions, but that at least it's like, it's tied into the plot, which is, you know, appreciated, unlike the Elvis movies.
1: Not just tied into the plot. Like I said, the foundational moment for me in this film, that puma going into the locker, I was like, God damn it, I get it. I've been there. Oof. (laughs) Not literally. Or maybe literally. That'd be cool if it was literally. Hey, you don't know me like that, man. No, I'm kidding. Yes, no, not literally. (laughs) I I don't know. I kind of believe the Puma is a metaphor. But oh absolutely I'm just joking yes of course <laughs> very clearly <laughs> Sorry Mike. The way I you like, said how like a... his locker
0: was Oh yeah was yeah. was awesome that was awesome I just love the production uh, like I know it's not high value production but I love it because I love the squid arm I love the bubbling sea I like you know like his locker it's hilarious. Like everybody's costumes, like Pia Zadora has some amazing costumes that, that think she's dancing in, in the, with the Union Jack flag on it and the, on, on the beach. And then later in her space gear and just everything else in between, like so much fun. The greasers, um, the aliens, just, just so on point with like trying to make this a visual feast to look at.
1: You know who it made me think of, Mike? I'm glad you bring that up. Do you remember good old retired podcaster Cara Gale O'Regan? Okay. I'm watching it and I'm like, I wonder what Cara's favorite outfit would be because uh, we're getting nostalgic today. But whenever whenever (sighs) Cara would see a good outfit in a film and then podcast about it, I would be like, you know what? That's awesome. I don't know if she's seen this one, but maybe I'll hit her up and ask her what her favorite one is here because they are awesome, these outfits.
2: Well, like, what's also cool about it is that the outfits, they they play into the story in a way that they're able to, like, swap outfits. Like, when the pack, like, the movie basically ends with the pack about to attack Frankie and Dee Dee, and then the aliens just turn them all into Boy Scouts. And, like, that's, like, the end of their storyline. Or, like, earlier when they're looking for outfits... They just go up to like make out point or whatever, and they take all the clothes from those teens and they just cover themselves in those clothes. Like, there's like the the clothes serve in a way a functional purpose in the story in a way that, like, doesn't really like it. The specific outfits don't make sense, but the the, them being kind of these weird mishmash, unexpected combinations of outfits matters to the story which is kind of cool oh yeah i
1: agree Uh, and it's funny because you don't necessarily see that in a lot of these films right like they're just kind of force-feeding a lot of fun outfits like speaking of olivia newton john like a film like xanadu right like i feel like they came up with the outfits then they came up with the story like that's no just xanadu but
2: no i love xanadu i love
1: xanadu as well but you know what i'm saying right like Mm -hmm. this it definitely feels like it's a part of this world so yeah if I would have pulled myself at the beginning of watching this, of uh, this movie, to see how it would be feeling right now at this point in the podcast, I would never have guessed. I never have guessed. Now I don't think I'm as bullish as you guys on this film. We'll we'll see when we do our grades. But I definitely, definitely am sold, and I want to watch it again. And you know, good for these nice. people.
0: That's the most you can ask for. You know, like uh, not just enjoying a movie once, but watching a movie and being like, I gotta see that again. You know, how many movies have you watched recently where you're like, wait a second, I got to go back and (laughs) and watch that one more time just to be sure.
1: So shall we get to our awards? Sure. All right. Who was this movie made for? I honestly have absolutely no idea.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it feels like the directors and writers got together and made it sort of for themselves and was like, if anyone else likes this, that's going to be awesome, but... As long as we make this, we're good.
1: (laughs) I should note that this movie was not a hit. Uh. That shouldn't surprise you. And maybe that's why, right? Like, it does feel very personal. But yeah, I kind of struggled with uh, this question myself.
0: Well, I also feel like what we were kind of talking about earlier about, you know, best of the worst films and and all of those different subgenres and things like that. Like, this might have gotten taken the wrong way and, you know... Razzies were probably thrown at it, you know People were probably like, like you know Laughing at it the wrong way, or something I feel Then it was intended, and it, maybe it just Needed that that distance of time To come around and find its audience With the next generation or two
1: Well again, it's got the Vinegar Syndrome Seal of Approval, so Bravo Most likely to succeed, which character Won the movie?
2: I think Frankie and Didi Both won, they found yeah. love They rekindled their relationship in the end And it seems like they are going to have, you know Maybe not as successful, but like they're going to have a a fruitful duo. I think that they, in spite of all of the odds, they won this movie.
1: Yeah, I think the whole town as well, right? Like, yes, they win. I imagine it might reset in the sequel that we never get, right? But they'll win again. But then the town gets cleaned up by the aliens anyway. Like, the aliens aren't Mm -hmm. mean or bitter, right? This is just their nature. So when they leave, they're like, you know what? Eh, Let's, you know, change these. Mean old guys to Boy Scouts, let's clean up the lake and put some rainbows and make some more music and, and leave uh, leave this town a better place than when we got here anyway. Uh, Mike, a different answer.
0: Uh, maybe the sheriff. Didn't she finally find love at the end on one of those power <laughs> sales? <and> she... <laughs> I forgot about that.
1: <laughs> Wooderson Award, is there a character in this film that you would have liked to have seen more of? Hmm,
0: specific character.
1: I mean, maybe the sheriff. I love the sheriff. I don't know if, if yeah. more of the sheriff would
2: make me like her less, but the whole movie could have been about her and I would have loved it.
1: That's a good choice.
0: Yeah. I, the only thing that I'm really was so like every everything is sort of set up just enough, like almost like, you know, just in time and in, in some instances, I feel. But I wish they did a little more with the monster, like the squid monster, you know, like just a little more throughout the movie some setup or something like that. Because we really only get it kind of in the beginning and then at the end. I think he pops up a tentacle somewhere along the way but I just kind of wish that was a little more present or there maybe was like more like trauma mutant kind of stuff going on at, at some point. But that's just a personal nitpick. I, I kind of feel like this movie's perfect anyway so I just I had to think of something.
1: So, whew. If you think it's perfect, you're probably not going to have an answer for the Long Duck Dong Award. Is there a character whose omission would make the film better?
2: Um, I don't think so. I think like what Mike said, it's like the inverse or not the inverse, but a complimentary piece of what Mike said. that Like everything is set up just enough that it feels like there's no there's not really things that you could get rid of. I think that there is of the time it's not a character but there's like some homophobia with like the when he builds that attracting ray to get Piazador to love him and instead he like configures it so that every dude in the diner in like local teenage hangout or whatever the name that name of the place is that like they all fall in love with him so it's not a character just sort of like an 80s sort of trope but I think every character set up enough in the right way and there's no way that i don't like and i think they all come together in a way that just works well
1: yeah yeah i agree with that it's great length too right like sometimes musicals can be really really long because of the music and i hate (laughs) that honestly so I, i liked its nice breezy length because it's a nice breezy tone well we sort of answered this award before but gonna have to ask it we have to do the formalities here Cameron Fry Award. Did anyone look too old to be a high schooler?
2: They all look too old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: pretty much. Like, I, yeah, they, they're all... They give, give a whole box of those awards out there.
2: <laughs> well, like you said, you know, on past episodes, I think I mentioned it before, they're all, like, equally too old, and so it doesn't strike you as, like, why is that 50-year-old with all the rest of them? Like, they all look like they're 30.
0: Yeah, it would be different if there was, like, one guy who was, like... McLovin walked through the movie. He's clearly like just a kid that they found at a casting call off the street.
1: All right. The tough question every week. Let's grade the film A plus to F scale. But first, your cheat sheet. Rotten Tomatoes. So this movie, not viewed by a lot of people, honestly. There's 250 audience scores on Rotten Tomatoes and it's 51%. Only one professional critic review on Rotten Tomatoes. So that doesn't qualify as a score at all. Even, even the nerds over on Letterboxd, right? Like 3.1, which is a pretty decent score, as we've learned. It's in the threes, right? But which is the one? Yeah, only 3,000 or so reviews in total. So that's not that much, right? No. I don't know, guys. You seem to enjoy it. A plus to F. But I
2: will say that 11 of my friends, 11 of the people I followed out of about 100 have seen it. So I feel like for the people that I have found sort of this kind of not community because like it's not like i use this as like the way that like you're, you're supposed <laughs> to intend to use it but like the people that i follow to sort of guide the movies that i should be seeing know this movie so only thirty one hundred people have seen this but it feels like it's kind of the right people know you know what i mean like in a way where it's like it's beloved
1: by the right people yeah and, and that's great right and so like the movie has found a little audience that seems to love it mm-hmm Joey, Mike, I don't know who wants to go first. A plus to F scale. What will you grade the film,
0: Mike? Uh, well, I mean, Brian, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't, I don't try and, and usually uh, do this recently, and I haven't had to because of the Corey, <laughs> but I can't help myself tonight because I mean, this movie just puts me in such a good mood, and it's so fun and positive, and I have such a great time when I'm watching it and listening to it that I had to give it an A plus. I mean. You know, I I watched it one and a half times for the show. I would have watched it twice, but I ran out of time. But I was watching it up until the moment we recorded, and I'm going to watch it again and again. So I just adore this movie, and I'm so glad that it's out and about, and and we we're able to see it, and that we're all able to watch it and, and enjoy its amazingness. So A plus,
1: A plus.
2: Yeah, I I don't know that you could like rationally review this. Like, I don't think you could be like, well, technically it's this and whatever. Like, because they're not trying yeah. to make a good movie; they're trying to make a fun movie. And I think that in every single regard, they succeed. And like, I I can't really compare this to the other movies that I've covered on here because I think that like comparing this to like you know the Last Picture Show or whatever it, it isn't fair. But at the same time, a plus.
1: Nice. All right. Why not? I don't know. Apologies. I'm not giving it the A+, but I'm giving it a solid B+. I want to watch it again. Okay, It's, it's a okay. fun movie. I think that's a high score for well, a lot yeah, of people who watch it.
2: It took you it. 85% of the movie to figure out what it was, right? <laughs> like,
1: imagine if you knew what it was from the beginning, it'd be an A+.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to see what you raise the grade to if you watch it again. Let, let me know uh, how you feel differently about it. But Brian, like, just considering... The number of times, like you said, like you've seen this movie, like not this particular way, but like the the plot and everything like that, like to 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 still be able to like get something fun and new out of it, like I'm glad to hear that, you know.
1: I don't wanna play this game because it's the hardest game in the world, the letterbox Ugh. game, but mm. I just clicked a random person who it's one of their favorite films. Their name is Spaghetti Davis on Letterboxd.
2: I mean, I do, I do want to let people know that when we play the Letterbox game, I spend like half an hour finding a playable thing. Like I do ones because like Joe knows like six movies in total. Like Joe knows, no, he he called Scorsese the other Italian guy. He's, call, he's called Interstellar uh, uh Coppola
1: nice nice the (laughs) uncle he's
2: called interstellar the other space movie like he just doesn't know movies like his brain is so broken that like i have to spend time so like yeah if you just like pick a random person it might be like this and like three like you know international films from like the 50s it's like i don't know what any of these movies are the Letterbox game is hard but i make it as easy as possible
1: because joe's brain is absolutely broken I like the game. I'm just saying it is a difficult game. But it's a yes, great game. It, it's hard sometimes, but oh, it's really hard. This person though, like I, I'm just pointing it out because I was curious. I would never have guessed these two other films. One of them is called Queen Margot. It's a film from 1994. I don't really know it, so forget that one. Sure, okay. But the two other films on there are Streets of Fire.
2: Oh, yeah, that makes sense.
1: Absolutely spot on. Mm-hmm. That one makes sense. And then Heat.
2: Yeah, like huh. that's just somebody who likes heat. Like <laughs> it it has no correspondence. <laughs>
0: Yeah, if you look at my top four, there's no real, like, connection between the four movies exactly. It's just, like, this guy likes Planet of the Apes, and he also loves the Poseidon Adventure, and okay. I, like, we just well, did,
2: man. behind the paywall, we did Lucky Number Eleven, and we found a guy who, like, it's, it's his name is, like, Quentin Fincher, and he likes Pulp Fiction and Fight oh. Club, and that. It's just, like, yeah. Like, these are movies that, like, a very specific to, and, like, I found him specifically because I'm, like, joking get these. And, I'm, like, w- imagine a guy with the name of Quentin Fincher... As his username, what movies would he love? And Joe gets excited when he guesses Pulp Fiction. I'm like, yeah, like I picked that one for you know what I mean. Like it's the kind of thing where like sometimes it makes absolute sense, and then sometimes it's just like you know not absolute
1: nonsense. I'll give Letterbox some credit. I do really like that it's favorite films and not what you think the best films are, because like that's different. That that can be the same question, but also can be Mm -hmm. different, right? If you want to use it as a dating service, you're welcome to and. That's a good indicator. (laughs) Sure. Absolutely. Voyage of the Rock Aliens sleeping bag. We're at a slumber party. You guys staying over my house. What does your custom Voyage of the Rock Aliens sleeping bag look like? I am going to do like a
2: Doctor Who. Like I've seen one episode of Doctor Who, so I don't actually know this. I just know this from like cultural osmosis. But I'm going to do, it's a school locker on the outside. And when you open it, somehow the inside is much, much bigger. And there's a Puma in there.
0: Yeah, like where he keeps his puma. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> That's
2: cool. It's deceptively big. Mike?
0: Um, I think uh, mine is going to be fashioned after that outfit that Pia wears at the Battle of the Bands that looks kind of like Captain EO, and she dances and sings with her hands in her pockets the entire time. I just thought that was incredible, so I'd like to sort of... Um, yeah, uh, honor that. And it's like this white thing with like straps and studs and tassel. And it's got like every sort of fashion faux pas possible combined right into one. And it's amazing.
1: Mike, in like 30 seconds, can you explain what Captain EO is to the yes. those not familiar with the Coppola catalog?
0: So George Lucas and Francis Ford Coppola got together with Michael Jackson and made a short science fiction, futuristic film called Captain EO that played at Epcot Center for around a decade or two or something like that, and we are going to be covering it someday on Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar. It is insane.
2: It's Doug Benson's
1: finest film.
0: <laughs> yeah, his best work. <laughs>
1: Can't wait for that. Right, okay, so my sleeping bag is just going to be a, it's not going to be comfortable at all because it's just going to be a very, very, very flat version of myself. like i was run over by a steamroller i'm just gonna kind of sliver in slide in and and that's what it's gonna be all right my favorite question every week the magical blockbuster that defies space time and logic the three of us we are in it we are there we know we are renting voyage of the rock aliens but we get to the counter we see a sign that says rent two movies get one free seeing as this blockbuster has every movie that's ever existed up until this point, I say, Mike, Joey, both go to the back. Both get two other movies that we should watch with Voyage of the Rock Alien so we can craft your ideal rental triple feature.
2: Mike, I'm going to let you go first because I have four, and I could do two two first, but I think there's a good chance that you're going to pick at least one that I have which could make my decision Mm -hmm. easier. But do you have two in mind?
0: I've got like a lot over here. (laughs) That's the issue. (laughs) um, We're only doing two, right, Brian? But I got two big ones that I'm going to go with. I'm going to whittle it down right now, and I got two. Okay. So the first one's a very popular movie. It's not a rock opera, but it definitely, when I saw it, blew my mind it was it was not what i was expecting at all it caught me off guard it's got amazing music i think at the time was super controversial and it's 1999 south park bigger longer and uncut
2: coming very soon i will say to a podcast near you
0: oh i wonder why maybe the year that it
2: maybe maybe
0: so I didn't see it in theaters okay and I remember a friend of mine telling me like you got to catch this in theaters you'll be sorry you missed it in theaters and I had sort of stopped watching South Park at that time but when it came out on VHS yes VHS not DVD because I think that was like the next year was DVDs I I put it in and I couldn't stop laughing from start to finish like I was crying laughing and the music was great and uh I don't watch South Park anymore really uh, I haven't in lots of years but I think the movie was phenomenal, so that's my first pick.
2: I don't watch South Park either, and I love that movie so much. Like it's unbelievably funny and good, and the songs are legitimately good too.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think they they wanted to nominate like a bunch of them for the Oscars, but they could only nominate Blame Canada because it like was had no curses in it or something like that. There's sure. something yeah. about like a curse whatever. So so okay. So my second movie is. It's an indie film, I guess. I remember seeing it when it came out. It's on Netflix right now. It's from twenty twelve. An
1: indie film? Is it Temple of Doom? Is it which one? Uh, ah, Wah I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> worth to
0: cut you off for
1: that. Continue.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it's called The History of Future Folk. And I don't know it's this. a so it's about these aliens that come to Earth to take over the planet, but they land in Brooklyn, and they discover folk music, and they become an amazing folk art music duo, Ooh. and it's got one of the guys from Game of Thrones is in it, I think, If I'm not mistaken, I could be mistaken about that. But like, anyway, it's hilarious. It's got amazing music. I think it's mostly shot like live at bars and things, like kind of stolen shots and stuff like that. And it's just adorable and very warm-hearted, and I can't recommend it enough.
1: Nice. Nice. Uh, That's uh, really cool. I didn't
2: expect that. Mike, you might need to revisit. You only gave that two and a half stars on Letterboxd. You might need to revisit your rating of
0: that. What was I thinking? There's no way. I remember that so much more fondly than Two and a Half Stars. Whoa. Yeah, I was just trying to think of movies about, like, bands from space or the future or something like that. So this one definitely stuck in my head. Yeah, I remember loving that movie. I don't know what I was thinking. Wow. All right, so
2: here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do another two music movies, and then maybe Mike into do two others, because I have 2 two first that I want to do. So, Mike, do you have two others that you could do another... Buy two or rent two, get one free? Do you have two more in, in the holster? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you're looking for a movie, it's not as good as this movie, but it is as weird as this movie. And it's a movie that Mike and I talked about very recently. If you're looking for a movie also from the 80s that is as weird and futuristic and just out there and rock opera-ish as this, 1980s The Apple Oh boy, is something that you must see to believe. Brian, do you know The Apple? I don't. Uh, the Apple is another one of those like historically bad movies, but it's this like rock opera futuristic that like Mike brought it up recently to me. Cause he's like, I tried to rewatch that and I couldn't get through it. And, like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's rough, but it's also like one of those where like nothing else has ever been made like this.
1: Wow. Looking it up now. This is
0: bizarre. It, it's got, it's got the star of night of the comet. She's in there. Catherine Mary Stewart. Isn't that yeah, a girl? Catherine Mary Stewart? Jesus yeah.
1: Christ! I, we need to get her on the show, Catherine Mary Stewart. I know you're the mom of my my brother's partner's friend, and I know that's a far extension, but that's sort of in my universe. That's that's less than the seven degrees that Kevin Bacon allows. So please, <laughs> Catherine Mary Stewart, if you listen to this podcast, we want to talk to you. I can't track that lineage. That six degrees of Ka- Catherine Mary
2: Stewart <laughs> and you. <laughs> The other music movie that I, I want to recommend in this rent to get one free is also from 1980 and there's a it, there's a very special reason that this movie matters to me in a way It's the movie can't stop the music Do either of you know this movie?
0: I know this movie yes
2: I don't think I know this one. This is a one. This, this is basically the Village People musical. Oh, I know this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 1980 as well, right? And it's filled with insane songs. I don't know if they're real songs or not. It's filled with like insane like music video <laughs> things. But the reason this matters specifically to this podcast is when I watch this, I think both the Apple and this movie were both covered by how this got made as well, which is why I watched them initially. But then I've since bought both on Blu-ray because I'm like, I need to own these. But I when I saw Can't Stop the Music, I was like, I need to know who on Letterboxd has this in their top four. Because this <laughs> is saying something if you have this in their top four. And I found a gentleman whose top four was Spring Breakers, Sleepaway Camp, Flying, the aforementioned Flying, <sighs> the hot dog movie Flying. And Can't Stop the Music. And that man was Austin Wolf Southern. This is how we found Austin. Because I looked up while watching Can't Stop the Music. Who on Letterboxd loved this movie? His Twitter was on there. I followed him on Letterboxd. And I messaged him on Twitter like, I don't know who you are. But we need to be friends. Because you have the best top four I've ever seen. And he followed me back. And then he was on you know Keanu Club or whatever it was when he, we first got him. And it's all been you know gravy since. But Can't Stop the Music. Another wild movie musical uh, from the 80s, but is the reason that we are friends with, all of us are friends with Austin Wolf Southern.
1: That's beautiful. Austin
0: Wolf Southern is such a treasure, so I love that story.
2: Mike, can you do another Rent to Get One Free?
0: Yeah, yeah. I just, now I'm worried that you have one of these, but I hope not, but... Um, the first one I'll mention is, I mentioned it tonight on the show, because I do think it would actually be a perfect double feature, uh, no joke at all, but uh, 1987's Back to the Beach with Annette Funicello and Frankie Avalon, and actually Lori Lachlan is in it as well. Uh, but a whole slew of cameos, you know, from everyone from, you know, Paul Rubens to Fishbone to fucking the guy who played uh, Gilligan is in this, and... <laughs> Don Knotts and all that kind of shit. Like everybody's in this movie. It's a lot of fun. It's what if Annette and Frankie grew up, moved to the suburbs, had some kids, and lost touch with, you know, who they used to be, and they go back to the beach and they find themselves and they stay there. But all along the way, they have incredible sort of like growth and change. And it's just just a just a lot of fun. Just just such a great movie. I can't recommend that one
2: more. If I can change and you can change
0: everybody can change is that mm-hmm. is that rocky four yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> that movie will be covered on high school slumber party as part of uh, the return to our reunion our reunion series mm-hmm. if high school slumber party gets renewed and if i don't get expelled
0: okay well that's good i hope you don't
1: you're using realize. the right terminology it's a work you're
2: you're you're trending in the right way already i like <laughs> to hear that
0: um, okay, so and I guess uh, finally for tonight, this is the one that I hope Joey hasn't picked as well because I know he loves this movie and I we have reviewed this movie together and our guests were not as accepting of this movie as oh, we were. But no, I, was I didn't so pick this, okay? Happy, yeah, 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 yeah. So happy to know that Joey was down with this film. I know exactly what you're talking about 2012. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise as mm-hmm. Stacy Jacks. Mm-hmm. I'm talking Rock of Ages. So good. Nice. Just incredible.
2: We had your AP co-host, Island Addington, and her brother Tobin on, and they were both like, what did you make us watch? And me and Mike were like, this movie rules. This movie's so good. So uh, yeah, your mileage <laughs> may vary, but Rock of Ages is great. Nice. That's
1: a good call. I like that choice.
2: So my other rent to get one free this movie Voyagers rock aliens is not a horror movie but i think there are things in it that remind me of horror movies and my two horror movies also both from the 80s that i would watch with this uh number one it's also set on a campus but it's a college campus and there's a chainsaw maniac on the loose just like it is in this movie we're going to watch the French, I think, but it doesn't really matter because everybody has an insane accent in the movie anyway. Uh, <laughs> the 1982 horror film Pieces. Pieces. Yes.
0: Interesting. Also
1: haven't seen that yeah, one.
0: I, Wait, I think you did, Brian. I think that was the night of Pretzelgate at Joey's in 2018. Oh, possibly. Pretzelgate. We, yeah. we probably watched
2: Pieces. We also watched Demons that night or the next morning. Yes. Demons was yeah. the
1: next day. Yeah. Yeah. I did yeah, see Dean, Pieces. You... I did see Pieces. You're right. That was a while ago. Pieces is incredible.
2: The other movie, the other horror movie from the eighties that I'm doing, there's another invasion from outer space, and there's sheriffs in there that like do not agree with the town, but on the other side of things, um, 1986's Killer Clowns from Outer Space, I feel like oh. reminds me a lot of this movie in in all the best ways.
0: Great choice. Fantastic.
1: I've seen the cover of that film. I've never seen that one as well. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Watch that. Do your own Hooptober this year. Now that the
2: Hooptober rules are up, do Hooptober and watch Killer Clowns from Outer Space.
1: Nice. I like these choices. Yeah. A lot of different choices here. I feel like we'd have a very fun slumber party. And we picked a million, a million of them. So we honored Austin Wolf Southern again. I love it. Yeah. All right. So thank you so much, guys, for talking this film with me. Double A+. plus. That's awesome to hear. I hope that I earned an A-plus in your minds today as well, because I certainly would like to continue doing High School Slumber Party. The jury is still out. We'll see. But I, I appreciate you guys coming on. Anything you want to plug? Anything you want to say? Any, any uh, positive feedback you want to give me? Any support to my personal <laughs> mental health you want to give me? I'll take anything right now.
0: Brian, as superintendent, uh, I just want to say, keep going. You're doing a great job Um, pulling for you. know. Keep up the good work. Winners don't use drugs. Stay in school. (laughs) All that kind of stuff. But thank you for uh, having me on. I'll be here as long as you're here, as long as you need me. And if I'm not here, you can find me. Uh, At several other shows on the Cage Club Network, such as The Monsters That Made Us, which is the last Friday of every month with my co-host Dan Colon, where we talk about the history of the Universal Monster movies, going through them one by one. Third Times of Charm, which is the third of every month where I look at the third of every franchise, the third film of every franchise. Brian is my own official co-host over there. Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar, the new endeavor between me and official co-host Brian Rodriguez, where we talk about the films of Francis Ford Coppola, the many, many different versions of his many, many films. And uh, I guess Joey and I, we do a lot of shows together, but I gotta mention Viva Pod Vegas, the the, uh, the front runner at the moment, I suppose. Uh, thanks for listening to that. And it, that show's a lot of fun. I love watching Elvis movies with Joey. And uh, yeah, check everything else out at cageclub.me.
1: Mike, was the last time you had the two most popular shows on the Cage Club Podcast Network, was it when Cage Club and Keanu Club were the only shows? When they were the only <laughs> two shows. <laughs> You're the I hit, wouldn't go that far. You're the hit They're maker the, now. You're the hit maker.
0: Mm, you're too much pressure. Too much pressure. I don't think of it like that. I never look at the numbers. I just... I let everyone else sweat about that.
1: Joey, people can find you in places. Right? I assume. Oh, I thought, I thought there was more. I thought there was <laughs> I'm more. Talking, I'm joking.
2: People can find <laughs> you in places. Yeah, people can find me in places. Uh, every other Monday, 1999, the podcast where John Brooks and I go back and watch the movies of 1999... Every Tuesday, every single Tuesday, Too Fast, Too Forever, where Joe and I alternate Fast and Furious movies with Pit Stop movies. We're about to start lap 12, which we have not announced our theme yet, but lap 11, a bunch of great heist movies that we've watched recently. So go check that out. And then every other Thursday, with some bonus author interviews in between, How to Win the Lottery, where my other other co host and I haven't even talked about my my OG co-host, Mr. Mike Manzi. But my other co-host, Bob Fisher, and I... Oh, wait, we're not supposed to say his name. You can keep it in. We're we're keeping him a, a man of mystery. But my other co-host, Shreds, and I uh, read books and talk about books and talk to the authors who write those books. So cageclub.me slash joey to find out all those things and also all the shows that I'm on with Mike, like Viva Pod Vegas and Cage Club and Keanu Club and Charlize and Hanks and Cruz and Cinemakers and all those things, right? So,
1: Well, Godfather... Thank you, superintendent. Thank you. We need to get a guidance counselor on here because I'm going crazy on High School Slumber Party. But this has I been... I think Aislin, I mean, if Aislinn
2: weren't mm-hmm. your co-host, I feel like Iceland is the right, the the prime candidate for guidance counselor.
1: Maybe she still can be. I don't know. She can have double duty. Yeah, I'll, I'll hit her up and ask her. But um, this, guys, was amazing. Thank you so much. How do you want to end this? How do you want to leave this planet? <laughs> I don't know. I need to watch this film again. Uh, That's what I need to do.
0: Yeah, I guess... Um... Until the rain begins to fall, I'll see you next time. (laughs) And
2: let's party tonight.
1: A party indeed that was so much fun. Big thank you to Joey Lewandowski, Mike Manzi. Seems like I've impressed the bosses enough to survive at least one more episode on this senior year that feels like it never ends in a good way. Well, since we're allowed at least one more episode, you might as well get another one in, and we might as well bring family to the podcast. My family. My brother Kenny, Kenny Rodriguez, will be back, and we're talking a familiar movie to us. I mean, in the clan Rodriguez, that is. And that is the Brady Bunch movie. It's 1995.
2: The world we know has changed. Put on your Sunday best, kids. We're going to see it. But right! the Bradys really? never will. I with
0: Mike. If your sister would wear her glasses, she just might improve her eyesight. Carol.
3: Honey, I think you've stirred that enough. I'm not stirring. I'm looking for Katie Carriol's underpants. Greg. All right, this is a car, Jack. Well,
1: of
0: course this is a car. Yeah, but my name's not Jack. It's Greg. Bobby <laughs> and Cindy. So why don't you hop back on the Swiss miss package where you belong? huh? Okay. Peter.
3: Lunch looks pretty rank. What'd you
1: bring? pork chops, and applesauce.
0: Jan.
3: Hi, everybody. The new Jan Brady.
0: <laughs> Marsha. Oh. Dinner's
3: ready. Oh, my nose. I'm sure no one will ever notice. No, I'll never be a teen model.
2: And Alice. <laughs> the, the Brady Bunch movie.
3: Marsha did it again. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha.
1: Like I said, this was a very big movie in the Rodriguez household, so definitely rent it. That is your homework. And This is not The Brady Brides or one of those original Brady Bunch movies. This is the 90s pseudo remake. (laughs) You'll find it. It's not a very Brady sequel. It's The Brady Bunch movie. Can't wait to talk about it with my brother, Kenny. (sighs) Seems like it's time for me to crawl into that sleeping bag and hit the hay. So remember, guys, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop looking around once in a while... You could miss it. So let's leave you with another song off the Voyage of the Rock Aliens soundtrack. Let's see. Well, let's pick the one that was suggested, right? What is it called? Let's Dance Tonight by Pia Zadora and Jimmy and the Mustangs. Later, friends. <laughs>